Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive. Goodman Mason. Watch us. MileHighSports.com. You can listen 98.1 FM. And you can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Eric Goodman. If you are looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to RMFP.com. Time now for the lead. The lead is presented by Smoke and Dave's Barbecue and Brew, Colorado's best barbecue since 2007. Go get some tonight in Denver, Centennial, Longmont, Lions, and Estes Park. All right, let's go out to the hotline. I want to bring in a guy I have known well over half of my life. He is my pledge brother in my fraternity in Indiana. He is a longtime Columbus sportscaster, spent many years on television, now is a radio sports talk show host for 97.1 FM, The Fan in Columbus, Ohio. Anthony Rothman, how are you, my friend? I'm fantastic, Eric, Andrew. Good to, uh, good to be on with you guys. Thanks so much. You knew my walk-up music, man. I got a little Van Halen right now, <laughs> so that was impressive. And then, So I enjoyed that. And then also, you're exactly right, as we go throughout our careers, it's the face for radio. Right. And now, and I even add another line and a voice for print. So feel, nice. feel free to use that one as well. Oh, right I, I've used that one as well, even though I'm sitting here doing radio. So great minds and fools, I think. Face for radio, exactly. voice for print. What we're do you all, do? Yeah, we're all overachieving, which is nice. <laughs> well, it's funny. People ask me why I love television. I said two reasons one, receding hairline and expanding waistline. Yeah, but I mean, that's true. I mean, you can do something about the hairline now, I think. And then as far as sitting behind a desk, we can always, you know, raise the desk a little bit and drop <laughs> your chair down. Right. And then, you know, you'll be fine from the chest up. But yeah, I agree, buddy. It's much better to go to work in uh, golf shorts and a, and a hat. So that's pretty good. And to this guy's good to, credit, good to be here. Yeah. and to this guy's credit, Anthony, he's done something about that waistline. He is in terrific shape right now. I'm trying to follow his lead i've just started but i have a long long way are you to hitting on me no i'm just pointing out the because you're that, a married man yeah i'm i'm comfortable enough in my heterosexuality to say that you've done a lot of work on <laughs> on on your build and uh your exercise regimen and you're doing great well thank you yeah. anthony should we talk wow. about justin fields or should we talk about uh the days we were hazed back it, in the fraternity it, it, well, yes. It sounds like you may have as good of a build as Justin Fields. It sounds like the way Andrew's talking about you, that you passed the look test getting off the bus, apparently. I, that is the <laughs> furthest thing from the truth. Um, by the way, um, I don't I don't want to say this on air because a lot of people don't know, but um, Andrew has glaucoma and he's blind in one eye. But I digress. Uh, Justin Fields, you have covered, yeah. what, Ohio State Athletics for at least 25 years. Does that sound about right? That sounds about right. I've lost track. Yes, yeah, somewhere back in let's let's put it this way. I've covered Ohio State pre-internet if that if that helps at all. There so, we go. What makes yeah. Justin Fields different than all of the other quarterbacks you've seen in a Buckeyes uniform? Mm. You know, I think he checks the most boxes. I think they've had a lot of really good quarterbacks here. Guys that have been really good with their feet, guys that have had cannons for arms, guys that played in different eras where the offenses were different. You know, I always thought Bobby Hoyne had a great arm in the mid-90s, more of a prototypical quarterback. Um, You start going through the list 
of guys like Braxton Miller and Terrell Pryor and JT Barrett and uh, boy, I could go back um, in time here. Even Dwayne Haskins, who had glimpses, I just think he checks. While all those guys did like one or two things really well, I think Justin is on his way to doing a lot more well. He's physical. He throws on the run. I think he's got a strong enough arm to make every throw. Uh, I know he's been nitpicked, and rightfully so, because I think he has gone through some inconsistencies in his career. But he's played against big-time college defenses. And, I, you know, you asked the question about, you know, what makes him different, because I think what's happening here is people are like, when was the last great quarterback to come out right. of Ohio State? Mm-hmm. And I think Alabama's getting the same treatment. And Alabama should get the same treatment if you're comparing Justin Fields to Mac Jones as far as if you're scouting the helmet and not the player. I would hope these guys aren't just scouting the helmet uh, because you'd have to go back to what, maybe, I don't know, you and I know Mike Tomczak. I mean, Mike yeah. Tomczak actually mm-hmm. played in the pros and was pretty well, pretty good at, at times. Um, you know, go back to Arch Schleister days. I mean, so Ohio, it's been a while for Ohio State um, that they've had a great one. And now we, we like to claim Joe Burrow, but we really can't. <laughs> <laughs> We like try. to because he's a right. right he's yeah. an Ohio dude. All right. right, he's not even from Columbus. He's from Athens, so right. he's even more uh, entrenched down there. But uh, I think he to answer a question, long answer. He just checks more boxes than all those other guys, which to me just makes him more of a a safer pick, even though he's got really exciting intangibles. I think beyond his kind of physical attributes and what he is on field as a quarterback, what he's, what does he bring in terms of kind of leadership, presence, intelligence, et cetera? Because, you know, of course, team captain for the Buckeyes, uh, pretty much an unquestioned leader of that team. Also somebody who kind of leading up to the season uh, was one of the leaders among players in college football of kind mm-hmm. of speaking out to say, hey, if we're going to play this season, we need to find a way to, to we want to play, we want to do it right. But it seems like whenever there's been an opportunity for him to seize a leadership role, he's taken it. Yeah, you're right, Andrew. I mean, that, that's that's the exact thing. I've been saying it all week when he started, when that or when when Dan Orlovsky was passing on that information. And I don't think it was Dan. I think Dan actually really likes him. And I think Dan thinks he's, he's really good. Um, but you know what happens, guys. You're on a talk radio show. You're on McAfee's show. He's asking you, you know, why do you think he's not being talked about as the second best quarterback in this draft anymore. And you know what happens in this business saying, I don't know, is not a good enough answer. Um, you want to come up with something. I think Dan then did some digging and maybe he got smoke screened himself. You know, he's a young guy in the business too. Um, and, and who knows, maybe people out in Denver actually love the fact that this was put out there, that Justin Fields could slip a little bit. Uh, maybe you guys are the ones putting out that information. I, I did. That, I did. I'm kidding. Yeah, it was me. Exactly. You yeah. guys lit the fuse on this thing. Right. Um, but the leadership started exactly where Andrew said. This is a guy who did not have to come back this year. Remember, there were two guys on this team that opted out, and Justin Fields wasn't one of them. Sean Wade and Wyatt Davis. Now, they both wound up coming back once the Big Ten, once these uh, parents and players won the battle, won the fight for a short season, and got them into the playoffs. He did not have to come back. In fact, I think he would have been drafted almost as high as he's going to now if he didn't come back because there'd be a little more mystery around him as well, and you'd be drafting him on potential. So that toughness, and he also showed that toughness when he got drilled by Skalski in the semifinal game on that hit pointer and came back. I think the first play he came back, and who knows, we didn't know what he had. Remember, there was a lot of questions on whether Ohio State, whether the training staff 
really did a thorough examination of him or whether he talked them out of doing any x-rays or anything major during that game because he didn't want to he wanted he didn't want to hear what he thought may have happened you know if he had a broken rib or something he wound up coming back into the game in the first play he rolls right and throws a strike um to the pylon for a touchdown so his toughness and leadership should not really be questioned based on him leading this team back uh, being the quarterback and wanting to play this season out. And then the other part was the toughness that he showed in the semifinal and then having to play hurt against Alabama. So uh, I don't think anybody really needs to question that because we've already seen it off the field and on, really. We're talking with Anthony Rothman, Radio Sports Talk Show host for 97.1 The Fan in Columbus, Ohio. So, listen, we know that he's tough. We know he checks every box when it comes to measurables. He's the right height. He's the right weight. He certainly has enough mobility and the arm strength. But to play in the NFL from the neck up, matters a lot as well. And I'm not suggesting that Justin Fields doesn't have it, but when it comes to going through progressions, reading the defense, adjusting to the blitz, how much do you think that will translate to the NFL with what he has, or does he have a ways to go? A ways to go, that's a tough one to define. I think he does have a way to go, like a lot of these guys do when they face the NFL and the free edge rushers and things bringing blitzes from every which way, and they, they, they can do that because they can get away with it in the NFL. I, I, now, I did watch him lock on the guys this season. I'm not going to lie. I did. Now, whether that was wanting to make a bigger play or the fact that he was screened, I didn't see the underneath receiver. I don't know. He didn't always take the easy pitch and catch. I'll put it that way. Um, now, I think that people, when Orlovsky said this, I actually think – Eric and Andrew, this is this has worked well for him because it's allowed all of these other analysts to now re-examine the tape, and I think he's getting almost people are rallying around him because I think they feel he was wronged by this information that got out there about his work ethic, and it's allowed people to re-examine some things. And Ohio State's offensive scheme, I mean, they do a lot of wide receiver option plays, and what I mean by that is they allow the wide receiver to kind of choose how they break off their route based on the situation. Now it hurt them. Um, it's hurt them before, but Fields had to wait a little bit until his wide receiver actually made the decision before he made his. It kind of puts the quarterback in a weird spot. So I did see him lock on to guys. I did see him not take the underneath when it was available. In the Indiana game, yeah, mm-hmm. he's so he's so used to guys, Eric and Andrew. You know, he's he's physical enough to make throws with guys draped all over him. And I think he was just one of those classic guys that has to learn to live to fight another down. I think he's got that hero mentality, and he's so confident. And in that kind of game, he felt like, I can throw it up and someone will get it. And he learned the hard way, and they almost lost the game. But as far as progressions, I think it's been overstated a little bit. And I'll tell you why. I think he actually got better as the year went on. Um, He didn't have a lobby in the Northwestern game in the Big Ten title game, his best receiver. He went into that Clemson game, and if you rewatch that Clemson game, I thought he was absolutely brilliant. Um, He he really was, really was good. After he took that shot from Skalski, he had great accuracy. He came back the next play, I told you, and threw that one of the pylon. He took the smart check down on a third and ten in his own end, up 14 that got a first down that was Sermon on that play. His instincts could have told him to force it in and try to move the chains. 
Instead, he did take the check down, and when they were up 21 in the fourth, Ryan Day still trusted him to go for the home run ball. So I watched him improve this season, and when push came to shove, especially against Clemson in the big semifinal game, I thought he was great. He sold defenses. He moved safeties. He booted left, threw back right. I thought he got really, really good at the end of the year. But to answer your question, of course he made mistakes. And, of course, I don't think he's ready-made as far as everything he'll see in the NFL and be able to answer it. But I think that stuff's correctable. I really do. Anthony, we only have about a minute left. I'm going to take a really hard right turn. So you were a longtime uh, television sportscaster in Columbus, but your first job, if I'm not mistaken, was in Alpena, Michigan. And about 30 years ago, you told me a story, and I I don't know well enough to repeat Uh on air, but you know it because you told this to me. It had to do with the camera being live and a stuffed deer. Can you repeat that story (laughs) and keep it as clean as you can? I don't think, okay, all right, let me, let me take people in for a minute. I don't want to, I don't want to kill your clock and you and you guys will get, you guys will, will get taken into the office. Um, I worked in a small little town, Alpena, Michigan, one TV station, my first job out of college and small little Northern Michigan town, not in the UP, about 90 miles South of Mackinac Island, beautiful area, right on the lake. And the film Die Hard 2 there, was a lot of fun. I was not in the movie, unfortunately. And <laughs> <laughs> so it was the only place that had snow. That's why they filmed it there. So I think it was during the 1990 World Series. This is going back a long, long, right, about long th- 30 time. years ago, right? Yeah, I, I, I want to think it was 1990. I'm not positive. It was one, it was, yeah. I think it was the Reds and the A's. When the Reds, yeah. the Reds sweep the A's, I think the Reds swept the A's. Right. And so we're a CBS affiliate, and the game is on our channel. And... We had a little home set next to the next to the main news studio, and it was filled with all these little stupid tchotchke things, right? Like little like plants and little like deer. Like I'm up in northern Michigan, and there was two deer there, and one was you know grazing, and the other one was kind of like up on its hind legs. And our our director decided to have a little fun, and he and he put one deer let's say intimately on the other. <laughs> and then he zoomed and then he zoomed in one of the cameras so he could bring it up into the studio for all of us to have a laugh. And when he hit the button on the, on the, on the board, you hear like Joe Buck, or Jack Buck at the time, not Joe it was Jack Buck talking. And he goes, a lot of great things happening in the world series in this game. And then boom, Alpina, Michigan, gets two deer on top of each other in the middle of the World Series for about eight seconds. Yes, that happened. And that's probably the cleanest, uh, that's probably the most fun uh, blooper I had in Alpena, but there were many others, buddy, many others. Well, listen, it doesn't mean that stuffed animals can't go into rut, right? I mean, that that dismisses the whole myth. Right. They weren't weren't stuffed. I mean, these were some classy deer, man. They were like gold statues. I'm sure they were. Like, we... We classed it up, Eric. This wasn't some like yeah. you know nothing here. We we wanted to do it right. Well, when we, I'm going to interrupt the World Series. Right. We want to do it right. Well, I'm going to throw out a phrase that you and I both obviously grew up with. Uh, you know, being two Jewish kids on the North Shore of Chicago, those were some good looking five point bucks, weren't they? That's a phrase that would always come out of our mouths when we were in Highland Park and Northbrook because we were big hunters in that part of the country. Oh yes, just a couple of candy. <laughs> Candy-ass guys <laughs> hanging out in the suburbs. 
<laughs> uh, yeah, it was, you know what? I will tell you, it got, it got me where I am today. So yes. I'm never going to talk bad about Alpina. No, that and, was my launching pad. And so nor will I about Montana. Right. Nor will I about Kalispell, Montana. Right. We, we are going to get yanked into the office. Anthony, thank you Go. so much. Appreciate your time. Love you, man. Eric and Andrew. Thanks guys. Be well. See you, man. See All right. Coming up after the break per yardbarker.com. Well, they identified the they identified the greatest weakness for each NFL team heading into the draft. What is it for the Broncos? Probably obvious, right? But what are some other things that are obvious? That's next. First one in, last one out the club, bursting in, passing out in the club.